Before I get to my next guest, John Patrick, I want to remind you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelgolf.com. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. Now back and next on the tee with me is the host of the Augusta Golf Show, John Patrick. You can check out John's show at AugustaGolfShow.com. He's been covering the Masters for almost 40 years now. I would say that nobody knows the tournament, the course, and the impact it's had on golf history better than John does. When it comes to the best golf radio shows on the planet, well, we're all looking up at this man and the Augusta Golf Show. With the COVID protocols reducing the number of people and shows getting credentials, For the press room at Augusta National, one radio show, one, was there, and it was John Patrick. That's all you need to know about how great John and his shows are, and I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, how are you, my friend? Chris, I am great. How are you? (laughs) I'm fantastic, thank you. So, John, I I obviously got to get your thoughts on on this year's tournament, but I want to start by talking about the interview you did last week with Jim Nance. Talk about your relation uh, relationship with Jim. Well, um, obviously it began here. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think we met before I had him on the show for the first time. Um, he's, you know, he's very busy, and it's a very busy time of the year for him. Usually when he's, well, he's got year to four the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, before he gets here and uh, he, he's just been gracious to squeeze me in when he can he's also gracious to say he makes a point of it um, we've been doing it now probably five six years or so um, I will I will touch base with him two or three times a year start a football season to wish him a good a good season the start of the golf season uh, birthday whatever it might be um, you know what? He's, you know, he takes a, he takes, he takes some hits sometimes for being sentimental and syrupy and, 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 and kind of gushing, um, on the telecast, especially here, but that's the way he is. And you can't argue with that. He is sentimental. He is syrupy. He's, you know, he fascinates me the way he remembers dates. 
he can pull dates out of anywhere. When this happened, when that happened, when that, I, I marvel at that. He's, he's been very kind to me. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I hope one day he has offered up. I don't know that we're going to make it because now he splits his time between Nashville and, and Pebble. Uh, if we made it out back to California and made it up to Pebble, he's like, come on, come to the backyard, hit a wedge. So uh, <laughs> maybe one day. Does he really take shots for being genuine? I mean, that's that's terribly disappointing to think that someone's taking a shot at him for, for just being emotional about what he cares about. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think people think it's phony. I think people think he's putting on an act. And, and that's why I said what I said. No, that's him. That's the way he is all the time. Um, people kind of think he's, you know, he's just kind of piling on with, with the saccharin and, and, and all of that stuff. But that's, that's why I have no problem with it. That's, that's Jim. That's just the way he is. I mean, you know, even the hello friends, you know, people kind of, oh, why does he keep saying that? Well, because that's what his dad said. And that's how his dad you know, would, would, would say hello to people. So that's, that's why Jim does that. You asked him about Rory's chances of completing the career grand slam this year. And I think we all thought this was going to be the year it was going to get done. He's playing so beautifully, you know, end of last year throughout the, the first several months of this season. Um, but it got away from him pretty quickly in the second round. I mean, he was there at 72 in the first round made five bogeys in his first 11 holes on Friday, ends up shooting 77. And just like that, his Masters was over this year. What do you think went wrong with Rory? You know, I, someone said early in the week, and I think we, we, tend to, we tend to think it's all mental with Rory and, and Augusta National and, and the career Grand Slam. But somebody said this golf course just really doesn't suit his eye. He has a hard time with this golf course. and. Add to that uh, the career Grand Slam. I mean, think about it. You know, there's something he wants to get done. And he gets one shot every year to get it done. And, and then three days before he gets his one shot to get it done, everybody's asking him about getting it done. So, I, I, you know, I know what people said going into it. I never really gave Rory much of a chance. I didn't think he would miss the cut. I, I honestly, Chris, I honestly, Chris, and we, we've seen it happen in, in this town with this golf tournament. It would not surprise me if he never won this golf tournament. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, every year is a year older. Every year it gets harder to do. Every year, somebody, John Rahm, somebody comes up and, 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 and plays well. It just, I've just been around this thing long enough and thought somebody was going to win it, and they never do, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rory never won. Speaking of that, and like I say, you, you've been covering the tournament for almost 40 years now. Who are some of the other guys that you thought would win it that never did? You know, I always thought, and this may be a name out of left field, but I just always thought K.J. Choi was going to win this golf tournament. I don't know why. I just, you'd watch him come and play, and he seemed. You know, he seemed to have what you needed to have. He, he was methodical about how he went about doing things. He never really seemed to take a lot of chances. He played the percentages. He played fairly well in the golf tournament. 
this is at a time when, you know, through the years, you kept hearing you needed to learn the golf course. You needed to play the golf course X amount of times to, to learn all of its idiosyncrasies and nuances. And he seemed to be doing that. But it never happened. Obviously, you know, there have been some glorious days out there. But but obviously, for a lot of people, one of the saddest days out there was when when Nick beat Greg Norman and everybody thought, I mean, we all thought going into that round on Sunday that it would be one of those great Sundays at Augusta, coronation of a of a fan favorite and someone who had fired and fallen back in this golf tournament. And then that day happened. And I don't. I mean, it's hard to feel sad for these guys. They're very well off. They play they play this game very well. But boy, that was that was truly a sad day at Augusta National. John, you and I in the past have talked about Jack and the 86 Masters and the golf ball that you got from Jackie and, and all the emotions around what it was like in 86. And I was talking earlier um, tonight with Mark Kalkavecchia and Owen Brown about the 98 Masters. And that's one of the, I, I don't know, I don't know how what adjective to use, but I, I would say, I, obviously, Mark O'Meara won, and that was great. But Jack, and speaking of Jim Nance, you know, when Jack came in, into that 98 Masters, 58 years of age, two bad hips that he would later have replaced uh, the following January, and Jim Nance coming on for the final round saying, you know, welcome to the final round of the Masters. You are not going to believe what you're about to see. And Jack makes another run at a seventh green jacket. To me, that's an underrated Masters from a Jack Nicholas standpoint that I hold very dear. I understand that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I do. Um, it didn't. It didn't have a feel that day of, of 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 Jack being able to pull off a seventh. But but boy, it um, for me especially, it certainly was a lot of fun. As much as I as much as I never thought I would be somewhere on that day in 1986, you know, fast forward uh, 12 years. And I, well, I, or a couple of years, I didn't really think, I didn't really think that was going to happen. Coming into this year's tournament, some uh, in the media were talking about what it would be like having the live players back in the field. And to me, John, it, it seemed like a non-story. I mean, the patrons seemed, to receive Phil and, and Cam Smith just fine. I know they were pulling a little harder for John Rahm than, than they probably were for Brooks. But any of the issues, the ill will or, you know, guys not talking to you, to me, that was all drummed up by the media. I, I didn't see that any of that really was a story at all. Do you see it any differently? Um, I don't see it differently now. I mean, I, I, I do think it was worth discussing. Uh, prior to the tournament, but, but as the week went on and the players were talking about how well they were received, how, how, how great it was to see people on the range, how there was nothing that took place at the, at the, at the dinner Tuesday night. And I never thought anything would take place at the dinner. And, and in the, in the, in the times that I got out on the golf course and, and was able to watch a little of the practice rounds and, some of the live players came through and the live players in many cases kind of played with themselves. They didn't, there weren't a whole, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction and grouping uh, in the practice rounds, but to your point, warmly received by the crowd. Uh, nobody, 
you still, you know, they were warmly received on a general scale, but sitting, sitting in the stands, you could still hear, you know, a couple of people say this and that about them. But, but there certainly were no catcalls, no booze. I thought as, as popular as Phil is, and it's been a couple of years, you know, his receptions were a little lukewarm compared to Phil. Um, and, and I think the guys were all kind of tiptoeing around wondering how it was going to go because, because there was, you know, how am I going to interact with my peers on the range? How's that going to go? Once that goes a certain way, what's it going to be like with the crowd? How's that going to go? So I, you could sense early on in the week that, um, that they were a little, a little, a little cautious about how it would go. Now, to your point, I do think, and I hope we put to rest the conversations that were taking place about their preparation for a major championship, and they weren't playing competitive golf, and they weren't major championship ready. Well, it seemed like Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and Patrick Reed were major championship ready. Yeah, 100%. Um, Fred Rid Ridley was asked why Greg Norman didn't get an invite to this year's tournament during his uh, midweek press conference. And he was quick to point out how he wanted to keep the focus on the tournament and that Greg had only actually come a couple of times over the last de decade or so, even when he was invited. Can you picture Greg being invited back to future tournaments? Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't quite picture how this all plays out. It's a question I asked on the show almost every week. How do you see this playing out? How do you see this ending? Can you see Dustin Johnson back on tour? Can you see Brooks Kepka back on tour? Um, and nobody really can at the moment, but it doesn't mean it won't happen one day. You know, I mean, who five years ago would have predicted we'd have been in this situation? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can see a day uh, because I have no idea how this is going to play out. Chairman Ridley was also asked about his support of the, the model local rule of rolling the golf ball back. And he said that they're going to support it. To me, that means it's a done deal. Talk all you want about comment periods. I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, Jack and Gary Player have been talking about rolling the golf ball back for decades. Tiger talked about the need to do it all the way back in 2017. He reiterated his thoughts about if you're, if you're a professional, if you got a P by your name, you play a pro ball. If you got an A by your name, you play an amateur ball. Rory also gave his support about it a few weeks ago. And now with Augusta National behind it, I, I don't see how they don't do it. Do you think that there's still an opportunity that this gets shot down? Well, I think maybe maybe ten percent. You know, if 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 the if the public comments are so against it, then they have to make a, a decision as the governing bodies whether or not they're going to buck the public comment. But again, but again, this golf ball is not meant for public consumption. It's meant for the elite players. I, I keep hearing I keep hearing talk that you know if they go to this golf ball and it's available, it's available for purchase. A lot of people are going to buy the golf ball. Really? Okay, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but um, <laughs> you know the question I did not get the chance to ask the chairman. I would have liked to have known. I did find out when he found out. My two questions would have been: When did you find out about the initiative? And had you known about the initiative, would you still have moved back 13. 
I yes. did find out. I did find out that he he learned he learned about it when we all learned about it. I find I found that out from the USGA, and and I guess the die had already been cast. But I wonder. I I, I thought through this whole process that this weighed on him heavily. Uh, Billy Payne did not touch the golf course. Booty before Billy did touch the golf course and took a lot of grief for it. Billy worked a lot on the infrastructure of the tournament, not on the golf course. And now here comes Fred Ridley with a discussion about moving back, you know, a, a tee on one of the uh, sacred holes of the game. Um, so I, I did wonder, had he known about this, would he have done this? Having said all of that, I do think the, I do think the golf hole played exactly the way they wanted it to play. I think they got everything out of it they had hoped for. I think one of the uh, one of the one of the little secrets that that didn't get talked about much. It was talked a lot about moving the tee back, but not a lot of people talked about moving the tee up. It was raised just a little bit, and and when you hit your tee shot from a elevated tee. It doesn't roll as much. So uh, I, I think they got exactly the results they were looking for. Augusta National sent out an email about a new hospitality pavilion that they're looking to build across the street, uh, across Washington Road for next year's tournament. What are you hearing about that? So far, nothing. I mean, all, all of those announcements were very vague. More to come. Um the only thing I can gather from it, and I'm speculating here, if you go to masters.com, you can inquire about it. You can put your name in a list for that. I have to imagine, Chris, you know, if, 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 if they're taking applications from people on the website, it will not be 12,500 bucks like Berkman. It will be, <laughs> it will, it will be, it will be probably, you know, it could very easily be the cost of a, of a, of a patron's fan. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was the cost of a patron's badge plus another hundred or something like that uh, to allow you to, uh, to 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 utilize the hospitality. Don't really know where physically in town. He he says across the street, and there is plenty of room across the street. He says it's going to be across the street. I guess you know once once they break ground, we'll know a little bit more. But rest assured, like everything else, even if it is hospitality for the common man, it'll be an uncommon place. No doubt. Golf Digest did an article about the future of the club and looking out 10 years, 20 years. And when you look at their 2043 predictions, they're talking about a, a fan village, a second golf course being added, housing for the players to be, being available there. We know that all things are possible through Augusta National. But what do you think about an expansion that is of that magnitude over the next 20 years? I don't think they'll ever do anything to house the players. I don't think the players want that. I think the players would like to be off the campus, off the compound, decompressing when they don't have to be there. It's pressure packed when they're when they're on site. And, you know, it's different, Chris. It's pressure packed, you know, just because you're on that club and you, you don't want you don't want your guests or your ticket holders to do anything wrong. I don't think they want anything to do with 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 staying on the campus. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe there will be a, a, another golf course. Um, I know there's been some conversations here in town that they are retrofitting a space across the street from the club because they would like, they would like to be able to comfortably 
hold the dining capacity for the women's amateur and the drive, chip, and putt. Here to four, especially the drive, chip, and punt, has gone off-site. Uh, they've done it at a local hotel, large hotel downtown, and they do like to control everything they do. So I do think they're looking into uh, some sort of dining situation. And who knows? Maybe the hospitality house provides that sort of thing. Um, but but I, I, I do get a sense of that. I still... I, first of all, Chris, I'd love to be around. I hope I live long enough to see what they're going to do, but they're just going to keep doing things. I still believe somewhere down the road, we're going to see some sort of museum. Um, they have, and I think I've said this on the show before, they have been pretty, pretty aggressive over the last 15 years in collecting artifacts, something they didn't do prior to that. And, and, and I don't know why you would do that to just, you know, put them downstairs next to the wine cellar. I just think at some point, and again, they can, this can be a growing the game initiative. I just think at some point there'll be a museum. At some point, you know, they'll, they'll partner up with Apple or somebody like that, or you'll be able to go into this museum and the video game's a great example of that. You'll be able to go to the museum and, you know, hit a shot on the 12 or try to go for 13 and two or something like that. You know, as a museum, you've got to stay interactive. You've got to stay relevant. I can't think of a place that could stay more relevant with that kind of project than Augusta National, let alone what that would do for this community, for the hotels, heads and beds and things like that. John, speaking of new courses, I read that uh, Cypress Shoals is a new residential community going up in North Augusta, just right over the river in South Carolina. Tom Watson is said to be designing the new golf course over there, just like, say, five with five miles, I think they're saying, from Augusta National. What are you hearing about that project? Um, lovely piece of land. Uh, very speculative at this moment. I don't, think they're, I don't think they've raised the money they need to do this project. Um, if I were being truthful with you, and I've said this on I've said this on the radio show, the daily radio show. You know, you can count on one finger the memorable Tom Watson golf course. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if, what we don't know about a project such as this, and this is a real estate venture now. So this this comes under the heading of, you know, speculative real estate ventures. Did they did they try to get Cor Crenshaw? Did they try to get Gil Hans? Did they? Settle for Tom Watson was Tom Watson a choice because he is a master's winner, but the the website is beautiful. If if they can create something that lives up to the website, then it will be spectacular. It is my understanding that along with this project, there will be a second golf course by a much more noted architect that will be the public facility in this project. Chris, we've just and it's not necessarily just golf related. In 40 years of living here, we've had a lot of speculative projects, a lot that never came to fruition. You know, I can take you back to last year when a group was going to come in and because of the masters, they were going to hold this concert series of Blake Shelton on Monday night and Tim McGraw on Wednesday night and Jimmy Buffett on Friday night. And it never came close. To coming off so I, with this sort of thing its impact in the community not just golf but in the community 
Oh, it's a big wait and see attitude. I'm, I'm going to be Missouri on this one. You're going to have to show me. But I will say this. It is it is a wonderful piece of land if they can make it happen. John, I got to get your thoughts on the actual result of the tournament. And John Rahm played beautifully. The stars seemed to line up perfectly for him. It was the 40th anniversary of Seve's second victory. Sunday was Seve's birthday. I'm not sure you could have written a better script. What did you think about what you saw from Rahm? No surprise. I, I really wasn't surprised. He was my pick. Um, I, you know, you, you sit there and wonder how it's going to transpire. Kepka with the four-shot lead. How does this happen? I, I felt like it was going to happen. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. Um, I think, you know, we've been so spoiled by Tiger and his exploits. And we keep wishing someone else would come along and, quote, unquote, be the next Tiger. There will never be the next Tiger. Um, so when somebody does something, whether it's Scotty for the last 14 months or what John Rahm has done for the last six months or so, you know, we, we begin to, we begin to anoint them. And, and I think it's, it's a little quick to do the anointing, but, um, well, he's the real deal. And, 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 and everybody thinks so. Everybody who knows this sort of thing, thing thinks so, not just the pundits, not just the press. Um, and I, you know, like, like. Scotty in the last 14 months. At times, I wonder where it all comes from. Uh, how does it happen? John and Scotty, neither of them do anything exceptionally well. You know, they're they're not the best driver of the golf ball. They're not the best putter of the golf ball. But both of them do not make mistakes. And I think that is that is the mark of a major champion. They do not beat themselves. We don't have to go any further back than Tiger. And if you want to go further back than Tiger, you got Jack. They did not beat themselves. And I don't think John Rahm did that. And I've heard numerous times over the last couple of days that, you know, his back nine especially was Tiger-esque. He just, he put the ball where he was supposed to put it. He didn't take chances. He told the field, if you want to beat me, come make birdies because I'm not making bogeys. And, and I think that is his strength. And, and if he's able to continue to do this, well, then, you know, he, he might be a six, seven, eight-time major champion. I got to get your thoughts on Tiger. Obviously, the weather didn't do him any favors. The cold, the damp, the wind, all that sort of thing really had to be tough on his body. But so is the elevation changes and playing the course there. I'm not sure, John, that he's got another good run in him at Augusta National. What are your thoughts on his future prospects at the Masters? You know, for those of us who have been there with him since the beginning, I understand. I understand you don't put anything past him. But I have thought now, for really since he came back from the accident, that he was a mere shell of what he used to be. And, and you know, when he couldn't make the cut at the Open Championship on one of the flattest golf courses in the world, um, I don't know how we expect him to perform at this golf course. Uh, I... I'm very comfortable with the fact that I, we we've absolutely seen the best of Tiger. I don't expect I don't expect anything else from him. I can't expect anything else from him. He just I I've always thought he's in more pain than he lets on. He always has been that way. Um, it, I, it was it, it was painful to see. Um, it wasn't unexpected to see. I I when he started talking about a limited schedule. 
you know, I thought I knew he'd try four tournaments a year. I thought he might try six. I thought he might try his tournament in Los Angeles. I thought he might try Jack's tournament. But when you do the math, you know, if he's going to try to play the PGA and he's going to try to play the U.S. Open, he can't play Jack's tournament in between. He just he talks about how difficult it is for him to to recover and recoup. So, you know, I think I think he's going to try to play four tournaments a year. Um, I, I would not, I, I, I would, I said this last year, I would not be surprised, Chris, but if maybe we hear before the 2024 Masters that that's it. John, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can listen to your shows and stay up to date with you on social media as well. Uh, Twitter is at Augusta Golf Show. The website is AugustaGolfShow.com. Uh, the show airs in various southeastern markets, obviously locally here. But if you've got the iHeartRadio app, if you've got Odyssey, if you've got uh, Golf News Net, you've got Alexa in the house, just ask to listen to the Augusta Golf Show. And lo and behold, my golly, there he is. <laughs> John, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Let You're me, fantastic, my friend. And I, me, I mean it sincerely. You are the gold standard. Well, let me say this about that. And, and I think I've said this before, but I don't think anybody says it enough. And, and maybe your other guests said it to you often. There's nobody nicer in this game. Nobody nicer in this, in this industry of, of this than you are. I mean, you are, you are religious about those, those, those tweets over the weekend. When I see a lot of notifications in my, in my box, I said, well, Chris has tweeted about the show again. <laughs> um, you really are. I mean, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, you and I have not met face to face, but you are one of the nicest people, not only in this game, but that I probably have ever run across. Well, I certainly appreciate that very much. And, um, you have taught me a lot about what it's like to do a, a podcast, a radio show. I mean, I'm privileged now to to be on 680 The Fan with Brian uh, Brian Katrick and uh, uh, the crew there on Sunday mornings. But I learned most of what I've learned about how to be a, uh, a decent broadcaster by listening to you and your show and the way that you conduct interviews. Uh, well, and I appreciate what you said. That means a great deal to me, John. Well, there you go. There he is. He's being nice again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank John, you, you're the best. Take care, and I hope uh, we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Thank you, sir. See you, John. That is the great John Patrick, and the Augusta Golf Show is where you can find him online and uh, on uh, the different apps. He talked about iHeart and the other places that you can find it. But I mean it sincerely, folks. John Patrick is the gold standard of broadcasting, particularly in the golf world and then just in general. I mean, we're all looking up to him to, to see how great a golf show is. and. And I mean it sincerely. I listen to his his shows. I listen to his interviews. Again, you can go back and listen to that Jim Nance one and many others. The great Dottie Pepper, who I think very highly of as well. John recently spent some time with Dottie. Uh, but but listening to the way that he conducts an interview and how he interacts with his guests is something that uh, I'm trying very hard to emulate. And um, hopefully one day I, I get half as good as John. Uh, just a, a wonderful human being and a and a great broadcaster. And I'm so very thankful 
that I get the privilege of having him uh, as part of the show as often as I have. And uh, hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with him a little bit later on this golf season as well. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again go out to Mark Kalkovecchia, Olin Brown, Jeff Lofsted, and John Patrick for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back, as will my favorite author and the original producer of the content on the Golf Channel, Keith Hirschland. I love Keith, and I'm so excited he's going to be back a part of the show next week. Plus, my favorite twin brothers will be joining me, Mitch and Matthew Lawrence. So it's going to be a really fun show. Folks, I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcasting content. In particular, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Good Pods. And my sincere thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making Next on the T one of their recommended podcasts. Download their free app and stream your favorite podcast on your favorite device. Most of all, my thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.